wife might book me into that um, uh, school, keep me uh, out of her hair during the week. Um, so it's like this is like a substitution. The, the star striker, Mr. Matt Knight, who was due to be here doing what I'm doing, um, interrupted my breakfast on Friday. Saying, listen, I landed in Cape Town, burst my eardrum, I'm in terrible pain, might not even be able to fly. Um, can you stand in for me? So I said, look, send your notes. So if, just in the disclaimer, if the preach tanks, blame Matt Knight. Um, <laughs> and uh, no, but uh, yeah, it's a real privilege to, to step into the gap. And uh, so just, just so you know where we're going, I'm going to do this sort of 15-minute Matt Knight intro. And then I'm going to call Mr. Brian Orber up, who I played golf with on Friday. And it was his birthday. He was 65. And so I played with his brother, and we let them win the game. Isn't that noble of us? So um, that, was, that, was, that was Brian's birthday present for, for the day. And, um, but I'm really looking forward to it. So the big idea when it comes to finance, because this is the topic that I've been given, finance. Um, and you remember what last week, who's the problem in everything that we do? I'm the problem. It sounds like, you know, when you go to an AA meeting or whatever, um, people say, look, this is me and I'm an alcoholic or I'm a drug dealer. So what we're all going to realize today is that when it comes to finance, there's like a common denominator I know in my own life. Every silly financial decision, every stupid thing done in terms of money, there's a, there's a common denominator and his name is Grant Hazel. So... You know, we like to blame everyone else. We like to blame the banks. We like to blame Eskim, the politicians. But generally, if we listen to our master Jesus, he will say that we all have a big problem with finances. So on that happy note, and don't be nervous because generally, you know, when preachers or in the church space speak about money, people get a bit nervous. But if you look at the Gospels, they, the scholars tell us about 25 to 30% of the Gospels, Jesus' teaching is about what topic? Money. Amazing, eh? So can you imagine if one in four, let me, can I just set my timer going because I can see I'm going to have to stop after 15 minutes. Here we go. There we go. Now we're under control. I've got a few minutes injury time up front. Um, yeah, imagine if every fourth time you came to Olive Tree, you heard the preacher get up and talk about money, especially when they ask him for your money. We'd empty the church quickly. But we're actually all hypocrites, say, because when we're out at, the, at a dinner with people, we after a game of golf and you're sitting and having a drink, 95% of most people's conversations are around money. Um, we just don't like to hear it talked about in the church, but it's the best place to talk about finance is here amongst God's family because God has so much to say. And the only person, I think, who's ever walked on planet Earth who hasn't been after our money by trying to sell us something or some scheme has been Jesus. He, he, he doesn't need anything. In fact, in the Old Testament, God said, you, you can bring me nothing to Israel because everything is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills, I don't know if you know that song, but that's all mine. What can you bring to me? And we have to say, well, Lord, nothing because everything we have has been received as a gift from him. So we're going to talk about money. And could I ask um, for that parable to be put up? 
on the screen. I'm going to just, the bulk of my message is going to be reading a parable, and then a few verses after that, because we could probably spend a few weeks just in this beautiful passage. What fascinates me about Jesus, probably this, well, he was the smartest man on the planet that's ever walked, apart from being the perfect teacher and the perfect savior and the perfect Lord, is that he taught so simply at times. You know, that kiss principle, keep it simple, stupid. Jesus was the master of that. He just told stories most of the time. Uh, the, the word parable is, is a Greek word, and what it does, it's parable is something that you, you, you lay a story down. It's like something that you lay down along a path to shine light on a truth. And so when Jesus told parables, he normally told them in answer to a situation or a question. And so a crowd has gathered to hear Jesus talk, and someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, Brown will tell you later, inheritances can cause a lot of trouble in families and beyond. And 2,000 years ago, it was exactly the same. This is a financial question. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? He's saying, look, the issue is not that I'm going to deal with now is not the inheritance. What's the next verse there, 15? Then he said to them, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. He comes straight to the heart of the problem, our problem, my problem with finance, which is greed. And it's a double warning. Watch out, be on guard. And then this amazing line, and this is probably a line that I've reflected on over the last day or so, again and again. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Life does not consist, your life, my life does not consist in how much stuff we have. That could have been written into 2023A. Eh? Because the marketing gurus, the algorithms that force us to buy things and point us in directions we shouldn't go, they also know, Jesus, you're lying, because actually the good life is one more car, one more set of shoes, one more house, perhaps a holiday home, another holiday or two, and that will make you happy, sir. And so we've got this incredible situation that the statistics say that in the States, of Americans that own a double garage, 43% can't fit either car in the garage. Wow, it's full of stuff. Another 27%, I might be slightly wrong with this, I heard these figures from a study, you could fit one car in to the garage because of stuff, possessions, eh? Amazing, so the car parks outside and your stuff's inside. And it's so bad that the fastest growing industry in terms of thing is that storage industry, where the average American, I can't even, I'd be lying if I said it was like 15 square meters. Every American has 15 square meters of off-site storage for stuff. So Jesus said, life does not consist in abundance. And then he tells him the parable. Can I, here's Jesus doing what he does. And let the story speak to you. Because that's what a parable does. A parable is not a, it's not, Painted initially as like a big religious teaching. It's not a seminar. 
story that's told on the road, often around a meal. And when we hear the story as we go away with our friends or back to work, whatever, somewhere along the line we think, oh my word, Jesus was talking about me and about God and God's kingdom. And if we allow those words and the Spirit of God to convict us, we will learn something. So he tells them the story, a ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Buy some off-star storage, which is what he does. Next verse, please. Then he said, this is what I'll do. Now notice the number of times this man says to himself, he's talking to himself, I, I, my, I, I. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Drink and be merry. I think it's quite reasonable. Got, a lot of, got more than enough. Take it easy. Don't die working. Keep going. The story gets better. But God said to him, we'd often listen to advice from many people around finances. But I'm telling you, here, it's an amazing book. With all the advice we need. Free advice. Hey, Brian, no commissions. <laughs> I'm joking. No, but genuine. We need, we can, I'm going to interview Brian. You spent a life, 25 years, helping people administer finances well, I believe, in a godly way. But God says, you fool. You fool, Grant Hazel. This very night, your life will be demanded of you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? I mean, if we could translate into one and saying, Grant, don't be stupid. Life is short. What are you doing in terms of your finances? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Now, this parable often gets used wrongly by preachers to say, you don't have to save, don't worry, just trust God. That's the furthest thing from the truth. Just read the book of Proverbs, which we'll come to. What, what this is saying is that it's no good pursuing wealth and riches for oneself and neglecting the greater purpose for what God has designed that for. So it's not a thing of saying, don't worry about saving. Prudent saving is a wonderful thing. Proverbs tells us that. Little by little, the righteous man acquires wealth, little by little. A man's wealth, Proverbs 18, is like a strong tower. It protects him. Ill-gotten gain is one thing, but wealth acquired in the right manner by hard work and allowing God to bless the work of hands is a beautiful thing. Verse 22, now Jesus has told the parable. He then begins to teach on the back of the parable. And, and I don't have time to unpack this. I'm just going to read it. But please, this Luke chapter is wonderful. Go when you've got some time this week and just read it a few times. But what, what Jesus is now doing is saying, listen, money is a terrible master, but a great servant. So when we serve money, we, we have issues. But when money serves us, it's a beautiful thing. And then he begins to teach. And just listen, consider the ravens that don't sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Because money 
or lack thereof, or an apparent lack thereof, leads to worry and anxiety. And that's what Jesus realizes. Who can add a single hour to your life? You can't do that, Grant Hazel, or anyone else. Verse 26, please, as we keep going. Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider the wildflowers, how, how they grow. They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon, that beautiful king of yours, in all his splendor, dressed like one of these. Keep going, please. So, for the pagan world, runs after all such things. Pagan is not a derogatory term. Pagan in our language, it's, it's the secular world. It's the world, it's a world that has excluded God. That's what the pagan world is. So, Jesus is saying, if you take our creator God and provider out of the equation, that's the pagan world. And what that world does is it runs after all those things. And then he says to the disciples, but your father, James and John and Peter and all of them, he knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom and all these things will be given to you as well. Let's just keep going for the last few verses. Don't be afraid, little flock. Your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Verse 33 and 4. Sell your possessions. Now that gets quite tough. And give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there is your heart also. And I don't know if you've ever noticed that sometimes when Matt talks from the front here about finance, he says, we, in terms of church, and God especially, is not after our money. He doesn't need your money. Primarily what God's after is our heart. Because where, where your heart, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Your, 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 where your true treasure is, your heart follows that. And that's what Jesus is wanting for each one of us. In the last three minutes that I have before we have, I'm just going to quickly touch. Matt's note said, we need a vision of what the good life, what the good life or best life is, what, in terms of how God's designed it. Um, contented, generous, wise, trusting, full of faith, trusting Jesus. And the question is, how do we move from where we are with my anxieties, my fears, my worries? Do I have enough? What about this? What about that? How do we move from chasing the wrong things, accumulating the wrong things, and how do we move to a place where God wants us? And Matt just laid out five beautiful principles. The first is, lesson one, ask God for wisdom in dealing with money. We can be so stupid with money. That's why when people win the lotto, Ted had this idea, I think he looked at 25, 19 lotto winners, big lotto winners. Within three to four years, they were bankrupt. I mean, I'm talking not like a million bucks. I'm talking 20, 30, 40, 100 million US dollars gone. Unwise. They were given a large amount of money, gone. Wisdom. Proverbs says wisdom brings enduring wealth and prosperity. Beautiful. Chapter 18 of Proverbs. Wisdom enables us to use our money correctly. Beautiful. So lesson one, ask God for wisdom. Two, plan your financial future as far as it depends upon you. So in other words, this is not just saying sit on your bums and do nothing and trust God, because that's often what we say. God said to Israel in Deuteronomy, I will bless the work of your hands. And I often say to younger folk in business, and give God something to work with. Do something that he can bless. Work with your hands. 
use your gifts, your mind, whatever, and allow God to add his blessing because that's what he promises to do. So Proverbs 10, diligent people, in contrast to lazy, foolish people, work hard and often have resources. Proverbs 21, if you can't control your spending, Proverbs 21 says, you end up with nothing. Second lesson. Third lesson, be prepared to use your money for good ends. That we see so beautifully throughout the New Testament. If you want two other chapters to read, 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, Paul unpacks a, a, a vision of kingdom finance and generosity. And there's no legalism. He says, I'm not commanding you. He says, decide in your heart what to give and give generously and give cheerfully. I mean, who gives their tax cheerfully to the taxman? Anyone here? You hypocrite and liar. No, no. Huh? But God, God wants his people to be generous and to be cheerful when we do that. Beautiful, eh? In fact, Jesus said to the disciples, you've got to be like your Father in heaven who's good to everyone. Sends the rain on the good and the bad. My word. How's that? So we reflect our childrenness, our being part of God's family by our generosity and how we do that. So be prepared to use your money to good ends. The psalm says that the, the righteous man has scattered his gifts amongst the poor and amongst the, the city. Isn't it beautiful? Just a generous person. Lesson four, money makes, and I mentioned this was a good phrase that um, Matt came. Money makes a good servant, but a poor master. And then lesson five, earn your money honestly. Proverbs says that money gained by dishonest means dwindles away quickly. Don't get rich quick, Proverbs 28, 22. And I think I've landed the ship on time, have I? Yes. Thank you, Jesus. 22 seconds over. Including time. Mr. Brian Orber, come and sit here. Sixty-five years of age on Friday. You've had your birthday present from me. Is this thing on? It's on. It's on. Um, so, who is this man? Well, I quite glad I'm sitting up here because I probably know him, known him longer than most. We played uh, cricket at Glenwood High School, and our standard six years started there. He was a lot better than me. Um, my talents lay elsewhere. I don't know where, but anyway. Uh, but uh, we went to Glenwood High School. We got saved together, became disciples of Jesus together, varsity together. Watched Brian. You worked, you worked with my old man for a while. Yep. Durban Corporation. That was, that was a challenge, huh? To be William Hazel's uh, employee. And uh, then went into your own business. And for the last 25 years, Brian's been in the financial services space. Done very well. I recommend him to people. I know this is not an advertising platform, but it says that an, an honest man and a righteous man will, will go far. Whatever they do, whether you're a financial advisor, whether you're a pilot, whether you're a sports star, but if you do things well, honor God, then it goes well with you. And so, Brian, it's a pleasure to have you here. And um, so give us a little bit of your story and uh, let us 
Give us some wisdom. I've got some questions to ask Brian. I've been prompted. He's had them. So we're going to just, just imagine that we're sitting over. I wish we had a cup of coffee here because um, it's like a conversation. Over to you. Thanks, Grant. Yeah, what a, after that introduction, I think I have to let you in the next golf match. <laughs> um, yeah, look, it's been a beautiful privilege to, uh, to be helping people for the last 25 years. Um, and it's a gift, you know. I just felt once I was in the industry that that was exactly where God wants me to be. And it just suited my personality. And I made a decision right from the start not to be a salesman, but just to love people and care for people and be servant-hearted and humble. And, you know, those, I think that's the characteristics for any job, really. And that's what Jesus wants. So uh, I think that's worked well, and uh, I've loved what I've done, and I've, that's why they call me the financial pastor, because it's a pastoral gift to just be able to love people and help them through difficult financial situations. It's quite a daunting task for a lot of people who don't have any clue with all the regulations and uh, the difficulties of making decisions. So you need, you need someone to talk to. And I remember when I started, the industry didn't have a good name. And uh, you're actually embarrassed to tell people. Insurance salesmen, yep. lawyers, all yep. the rest, yep. even pastors, yep. not, not top of the pops. So it's, it's, it's really nice to see that things have changed and we have a, it's, it's a lot more respected and it's a lot more professional, which is good for clients. Um, and it just, yeah, to be able to build friendships over those 25 years and now work for people's grandchildren that you started selling to 25 years ago. And essentially all we've done is protect people from death and disability and dread disease and then make sure they plan well for retirement. So it's a, it's a wonderful job. And I uh, feel privileged to have done it for so long. So, 25 years of dealing with a whole variety of people, rich and poor, yeah. um, you know, across the spectrum of the demographics. Um, what are some of the things, Brian, that you've seen in terms of, I'm talking about personal and family finances. What are some of the bad habits or some of the things that have caused, you've seen cause pain for people and difficulty? Um, just maybe like, you know, the, I, the, I was thinking of the song. Everyone knows I like to sometimes play a song, and there's a Michael Frank song called Don't ask one, bad, one Bad Habit. Yeah. Now, there's more than one bad habit in terms of finances, but what are some, if you had to say, what are the, if I had to ask, what are the three or four top silly things or bad habits that people have done that have caused a, a problem? Um, well, I mean... <laughs> People make rash decisions, as, as we've spoken about now. And people have to recognize, as we said, that they're the problem. And often we don't want to admit that. But having said that, it's, it's really hard to make good decisions in the times we are in now. So, you know, the kind of things that have kept me awake at night is worrying about all the clients making wrong decisions. And, uh, you know, COVID obviously hasn't helped. Uh, the riots didn't help. Um, the floods, um, you know, inflation, interest rates soaring, nothing, none of that's helping. So in a way, it's hard to blame people for some decisions they've made because they, they have no choice. But it is, it is worrying when, when they try to... Um, they don't take responsibility. They just... There's no plan. Uh, and so for me, the biggest, that's the biggest worry is people 
watch things happen. They, they don't do anything about it. And you need to be someone who, who makes a plan, who takes responsibility and has some action. You're not just in financial. I mean, it can be in anything. I mean, um, I don't know, you think of Norman and Joe. I mean, they're taking action to run Combrays. They're training hard. They're disciplined. They're doing things. And how many people can we say that do that properly with finances? And it's quite scary when you see the youngsters spending like there's no tomorrow. Yeah, and you know that they're going to be in trouble later. Yeah. But they don't want to take your advice. It's, they want to have everything now. I mean, just remember the days when we got married, Hayes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we, we drove in an old Ford Cortina. No air conditioning. Um, no power, no power, no steering. power steering. We had, we had no dishwashers. We had no washers. You know, we, we, we washed the nappies. We, there was, we, we were, you, you were good at that. We had tough times, you know. And, and I think... People want, unfortunately, they want everything now. And, and as you so said, that's, they that's spend for the youngsters. We've got time to work on them, so they're not the big problem. It's, uh, I think my biggest worry is watching the markets in these last three years and, and worrying for my older clients, and I have a lot of those. So when you're looking after like hundreds of million for hundreds of clients, it's, it's, you don't sleep because it's too late for some of the older folk who didn't have wise counsel when they were younger. Um, it's, it's, now it's, it's easily available. It's a lot more acceptable to talk to a financial advisor. But I think of my dad in his day, there was nothing. And he made some very poor decisions. And, you know, he lived to regret it. And how many children like ourselves look after our parents because there was no wise decision, no planning. So I think those are probably the things that worry me and those are the habits that I see is that um, no one's saying I'm the problem and they're taking responsibility for it. Yeah, I mean, we've chatted. I mean, I think between the 15th and 18th holes where you snuck away from us to beat us, we were talking because we were chatting while we played golf about today. And one of the things, I've got uh, three young kids, uh, you've got two boys, and... Um, Sometimes as a parent, you do, you look and you, 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 you don't want to be like an old, excuse the French, fart, you know. Um, but you do say to your kids, listen, start planning now. Look at grandpa or look at great grandpa and see how things ended badly. Um, but it's hard to change spending habits yeah. when, when we're assaulted, if we're honest. They say at the average, we, we see 5,000 ads a day. Now, I, I, I'm trying to get my mind around that, but, you know, if you're on Instagram for any point, any time or you driving somewhere or you watch a bit of TV, probably not hard to see how you could be assaulted by advertising, which yeah. is saying, buy, buy me, take me. And um, so, so the first thing is, as you say, is to, is to say no to the bad, the bad decisions. Sure. Um, not everything, but you've got to say no in your business. And I, I, I know when we've spoken on a professional basis, You've got to say no to some things to say yes to the good things. For example, like investment. Yeah. So there's so, sacrifices that you have to make. Yes. To be to have a future that's looking brighter. Yes. Um, you know, in other words, don't <coughs> buy the things you don't need. I mean, how often do we hear that? Yes. Um, and they don't listen. You know, buy don't buy what you don't need. Don't buy the new car if you can't afford it. Yes. Buy a second hand one. Um, 
you don't know what's going to happen in the future. You don't know. I mean, when we were younger, we had interest rates at 24%. Uh, imagine if that happened now. People can't cope with interest rates as they are now because we've overcommitted ourselves. So there's always got to be a saving for the rainy day. And we South Africans are known to be wonderful shoppers and poor savers. We, if you look at the malls, this is money. You wouldn't think we were having Just problems say that, in the economy. Say that, say that sentence again. Wonderful shoppers and poor, poor savers. Yeah. Anyone say amen to that <laughs> as we listen? Yeah. Huh? Anyone say guilty as charged? Yeah. Yeah. I'm the problem. I mean, I, I'm the problem. Yeah, <laughs> I am the problem. Yeah. Um, look, unfortunately, people want to look good. They want to conform. They want to keep up with their friends. They want to have what their friends have. It's, that's human nature. And that's what we have to fight against, as you're talking about. You stay off social media because it's telling you all the things that you should have. I hate it when you go into the shops and you see that four-letter word, sale, yes. and, and you get caught. I, I, do, I stay away from the shops because I'm a salesman's dream. Yes. Um, you know, people make rash decisions. It's, uh, they see a bargain. I've got to have that. They haven't counted the, the long-term cost. You know, you, you've bought a car or you've bought a house that you can just afford. And then the interest rates go up or, or COVID hits and you lose your job or you get retrenched. And suddenly you, you're caught. You can't get out of that. So those decisions you make are impacting your whole life. Um, Brian, can I just ask a question? Because one of the things that I've, I've noticed with, with Brian over the years, um, and if you, if you know Brian and Carol, they're just very generous people, often just behind the scenes. Um, they're generous. So although God's blessed them, there's been a flow not only into their treasure chest, which God promises, but there's a good flow outwards to others, to family and friends and beyond that. And um, I'd like to just dig down there because, you know, many... Even secular financial advisors will give you the right formula, I think, too. But I think what, what, what I'd like to ask, Brian, is how do you then see not only your job, but how do you and Carol view what God has given you through the eyes of being followers of Jesus? What, what would you say to us here, what we all following Jesus and wanting to follow him better? What positive principles? Now, we've talked about some of the bad habits. What are some of the better things that you would point us to, to, to be um, faithful stewards of, of finance? What was maybe some of the headlines? I know you've put a few down in the thing you sent me. I know one was generosity, be generous. Yeah, well, look, I think mainly just if you are wise in the decisions you make and you, and you do save, you have the ability to then be generous. And God's called us to be joyful and generous and... Um, to budget accordingly and to, um, to save so that you've got stuff when you, when you are in trouble and when others are in trouble, you can help. So if you, that's being the wise steward. Don't rush. Don't make decisions that are bad. Save the money. Uh, be there for people in the tough times. Um, I wrote down that we, um, there's too many voices up there out there competing, they're all wanting our stuff. So you have to be careful about which ones you listen to and where you send your money. Um, so so you, would, you would say that, like you budget for food and holidays, whatever, a budget item, line item in the budget for giving would be 
a good thing. Yeah, you see, the, the number one thing is to do a budget, obviously. Um, we all know that. Um, I was driving to my grandson to school. A lot, of, a lot of people know the story. He's five years old, driving him to school, and I'm putting my mileage into my voice recorder. Grandpa, what are you doing? So I'm just keeping track of my mileage for my business, for my expenses. Have you got a budget, he says. <laughs> so there's my succession plan in 20 years' time. I said, for goodness sake, how do you know about a budget at five? Well, if you've got expenses, you must have a budget. Because if you spend everything, you'll have nothing to save. Well, everyone knows you have to have a budget, Grant. Even so, a five-year-old, but we don't do it. Yeah. So look, later in the week, Ben's going to be running the five-year-old. Yeah. We'll be running, running, a, running a conference for some of us. Okay, that'll be so, a, a good one. So fortunately, I have someone at home who is incredibly good at budgeting. And, and Carol, she will, I, I can't spend anything. It's on that list. You know, you've got, everything's got to be accounted for. And that's, that's, over, that's over the top. I mean, I'm not saying you have to do it to that extent. Please, every, every, every golf slip, you know. What did you buy Hazel for lunch? You know, that's, um, I would say just put your, your main things down on the list that are not negotiable. It's things that you have to spend on, including your tithing. Um, your rent, your car payments, and all those things. And then you've got a list of all the variables, things that will change. And now you've got something to work with. And out of that variable, put something away. Save for that rainy day. My gardener phoned me the other day in an absolute panic. I made a big mistake, boss. I need your help. I don't know what I've done. I'm so stupid. He got phoned by somebody who said, I'll invest your money on the stock exchange. I'll take some money and you can make money. And he'd asked me two months before what I thought of. I said, that's a scam. You stay away from it. What does he do? Goes to a loan shark, borrows 10,000 rand at 30% per month. Now, uh, that's a stupid decision. And he'll live to regret that. Well, I am too, because now I've had to fund it to get him out of that mess. But the point is that people do silly things to try and get to where they want. They make risky decisions, and that'll come back and bite them. So the advice is be wise, get counsel. There's a lot of people here you can talk to who would give you wise advice. Don't just go and spend money on big-ticket items without but running it past people who've got some wisdom. Um, great, great advice. I'm just looking at time. We're going to close it. I think um, the last thing, Grant, the yeah. main thing. I was going to ask, what's the next step for you? Spend everyone? less than what you earn. Great. That's what you always told me. Yeah. It is. Okay. It's one of the principles. And then I think f um, if we can see, uh, Matt asked me to say something about a vision for the people here. Yes. Um, for me, it would be to, for the folk to see God in every situation and feel his presence, even in the tough times, because they, they are tough times. We, we, we can't discount that. Even the wealthy people that I'm looking after are battling. You know, we've heard the, the guys who are not so wealthy have been struggling for a while. And now we're getting calls from those who have a lot of money. And it's tough times for everybody. So you've got to have something to fall back on. So, and you need to have God's peace. If you don't have God in this time, in this situation, how you get through that, I don't know. Because he's going to be your anchor when, when times are tough. And then, um, I mean, if what I felt was that if you... If you are financially stretched and you, you're really battling, it's going to affect every situation in your life. And that's going to rob you of so many good things. I mean, it affects your personality. 
there's stress that you don't need, anxiety, you start fighting with everybody, your, your, your friends, your family, your work colleagues. Uh, you're not living and acting like Jesus would because you're in financial distress. And there goes the fruits of the Spirit. I mean, so that's really what we would like. And then the last, just to finish off, um, yesterday uh, I, someone shared a verse with me which I thought was appropriate to finish, and it was from Matthew 6. But first... And most importantly, seek, in other words, strive or aim for, seek his kingdom and his righteousness and his way of doing things, obviously, and, and being right and having the right attitude and having the character of God. And then all these things will be added unto you. So if you can do things in the right way and just seek God first and put him first, those Finances that you're stressing about are going to come under control. Isn't that a great way to finish? Shall we just stand? I'm going to pray for us. And, uh, and that's a great verse. Seek first God's kingdom eh? and his righteousness. So that's our takeout for, for the week. We've admitted, Lord, I'm the problem in this area. And there are some next steps that we can take. And so we are saying, Lord, we want to seek you in and through our finances, would you help each one of us to become better and better stewards? And we know that we can trust you to take care of the rest, Lord, as we do that. In Jesus' name.